All right, everybody, welcome uh, to everybody who's going to be tuning in on the live stream. I greatly appreciate your ten attention. Uh, as you may or may not have been aware, we're trying to do a lot of very different things here. And our goal is to create as much content as possible that provides value to people. So in our efforts to create more content, Corey came up with the brilliant idea saying, let's do a podcast. Um, the minute I did it, I've done three or four people, other people's podcasts. I said, it's simple. We sit down, we, we bullshit for a few minutes. Uh, and we try to bring some value to other people. So in our efforts, we came up with the idea of creating a podcast called Opportunity Knocks because it's kind of what has driven me professionally for so many years is to say, where are the opportunities? How can we maximize them? Uh, and what can we do to bring value to other people? So along those lines, I reached out to my dear friend Tom Keenan, uh, who recently wrote a book. We're going to move the bottle of water out of the way. We'll talk about his book for a little bit and some of the things that are in there. Uh, but Tom was gracious enough to come on, come on, come in and be our, our second guinea pig. My 10-year-old daughter actually did an episode with us the other day, which was absolutely fantastic. And I'll probably share that on my personal page, but that's not so much business-related. But we got some good content out of that as well. So uh, along those lines, we're going to kick it off. Welcome to Opportunity Knox. We're here today with my good friend Tom Keenan. Tom is an entrepreneur, an author, and as I mentioned in some of the posts we put up the other day, just an all-around good guy. Um, I had the chance to meet Tom through a mutual, mutual friend, uh, Dean Mercado. Dean is the owner of Online Marketing Muscle. And Dean is another one of those entrepreneurs who um, always worked hard to bring people together for the sake of benefiting each other. And if anybody got business out of it, then that was a great opportunity as well. So, Tom, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. I greatly appreciate you being here. Hey, Dean. Grateful to be here, sir. And um, that was some introduction. That's and, it. And I will say that Mr. Mercado is he's a rock star. He's a cool guy. Yeah, and, and we've, I've talked to Dean about it. We're definitely going to get him on a future episode here. Um, and I'd love to do some events with, with guys like yourselves to see what we can do to, to strengthen not only the business community here on Long Island and bring more value to each other so that we can all raise the bar for each other, uh, but just business in general. You know, I, I think in so many cases, there are so many companies out there that do things just because it's a status quo. And the reality of it is in the world we live in today where entrepreneur is, is such an overused word, uh, and the reality of it is for years I referred to myself as a small business owner. I didn't like the connotation of entrepreneur because to me it was bigger than I was capable of being. And I've had that paradigm shift and I've moved outside that box. And like I tell people all the time, I don't even think the box exists anymore. I just live out there. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think with what a lot of what you're doing is kind of in that, in that same venue. So let's talk quickly. Tell us a little bit about your business. Top Class Installations is your company. Give yeah. us a little rundown on what that is. So uh, Top Class Installations, we are a mobile GPS tracking and dash camera installation company. Um, this September is actually 10 years we're in business, which I'm fantastic. Very proud of. Yep. Um, it's been, it's been a bumpy road to get here, but, uh, well, anything worth work, anything worth having in life is worth working for. Right. And yeah. you're going to get our asses kicked all too often. Yeah. Listen, it happens every so often. Yep. The force of average comes around and just gives you a good, good swift kick, yep. but, um, that's okay. Nobody so, here. so most of what you do, your company does is fleet management. Yeah. Right. So, uh, we actually don't sell any products. Right. Um, we have a completely 100% remotely based team. Okay. We don't have a physical office that anyone goes into. Okay. All of our technicians and installation coordinators are either home-based or wherever they want to work. They need, they need a cell phone. They need internet. That's it. Fantastic. And obviously, the, the field technicians need tools and right. a vehicle to get from point A to point the B. tools of the trade, obviously. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're you know, a, a more of a modern you know, style business. We're, we're remotely based. And um, we go out there, and we actually install the hardware that some big manufacturer partners, the GPS companies and dash camera companies, they sell. They sell to the direct end user. Okay. You know, so for instance, um, uh, Verizon Connect will sell to 
you know, Joe's Plumbing in Brooklyn. Hey, Joe's Plumbing, here's uh, Joe's Plumbing just bought 10 units, top class. Here's a, a, a PO or a service order. Do me a favor and, and schedule with Joe's Plumbing and get these 10 installs done. So do you, the companies that are hiring you, they've purchased the equipment before they hire you, or you're working with them to help purchase the best equipment possible no. for them? Yes, we will help and consult companies who are considering this kind of technology. Um, and we'll basically give them, you know, say, hey, look, listen, we do, we work with so many different vendors and companies out there. Tell me what your needs and goals are, and I can definitely point you in the right direction. Okay. Um, but typically, the end user is not our customer. We okay. don't have any contact with them until the work order comes over from the GPS vendor. The GPS gotcha. vendor is our customer. They're the one who's paying the, the, the invoice or the bill. Okay. Um, typically. Very good. You know, sometimes we build the end user directly, but not so often. question I like to ask a lot of people whenever I'm doing networking kind of stuff. I'm I'm never one to walk into a room and say, "Hey, do you have referrals for me?" Sure. So who who is your ideal customer? It's a loaded question. Yep. Um, well, that's the idea. Yeah. So the the business that we have is such a deep niche that my ideal customer is very few and far between. You know, my ideal customer is the installation coordinator or installation manager of a big nationwide GPS company. Okay. That's my ideal customer. So if you know, you know, Uncle Joe right. has a job that nobody really knows what he does. And one day he tells you he's in the telematics field and his company sells tracking devices and dash cameras. I want to talk to him. Gotcha. Okay. So if anybody out there sells telematic cameras and all that other kind of stuff, yep. check us out. We'll link up all Tom's information. and We'll put it out there as well. But uh, it's, it's very much a, a niche. Is it a, is it a big business? Is there a lot of competition in your industry? Um, it's getting bigger and bigger uh, competition wise. There's always competition. Um, I think as the scale grows, as we as you become a, a larger installation company and you start doing larger projects, the competition uh, changes. Um, you know, when we when we first started this business, myself and my partner, and like one or two office people, and you know, we were going up against you know um, uh, Joey the car mechanic who moonlighted as a GPS installer right uh, on the weekends. That was our competition. Now that's not even a worry. You know, if that guy wants to go and take a, a couple installs from us and make some money, go for it, man. God bless. That's how we started, too. Go yeah. go do your thing. Um, the competition for us tends to be larger nationwide installation companies at this okay. point. You know, they might come in here and say, well, you know, if top class can do it for this much. Well, we're going to come in and do it for this much. Right. Um, but um, there's a lot of room to grow in this business. I yeah. mean, so much so that I'm actually building. We were just talking about this yep. before we started. I'm building an online training course to teach technicians how to come in and be successful in this field because the growth rate, the potential growth rate that's projected from now until 2025 is over 20%. Wow. And we're, we're a multi-billion dollar industry at yeah. this point. That's so, fantastic. Yeah. yeah that's funny. I, I, I think of that little bit of a conversation and we talk about tech stuff and I was listening to some of the podcasts you've done uh, for, with other people over the last couple of days, just to try to get a little bit more of a feel as to where your head's at, where you're going. Uh, and I think of guys like Mike Rowe. Uh, you know, and, and, and I look at myself and I look at one of my sons as well. Um, not college educated, never really wanted to be a student, never really good class. I, I, I hate to, to jump on the bandwagon and say I was a terrible student. I just wasn't, it wasn't for me to sit in a classroom and be lectured at. And, um, so at one point I, you know, I dropped out of college a couple of times and I went to audio recording school and I'll never forget the first day I walked into the school. We walk in and the guy handed me a book mm-hmm. and he says, all right, now you got the book leave it in the corner. You'll never touch it again. And we walked through the studio into the, into the recording section and we sat there on the board and he's like, your job is to break it. And I said, you know what? That was how I learned. I was always a very hands-on kind of person. I can sit in a conference room in a conference center with 10,000 people, 
and learn. But if you sit there and tell me I've got to do it this way and this way and this way and take the test and memorize, well, screw this, let me walk out the, out the door because I look at it and say everything I need to know, I could just look at it and, and I'm afraid to say, hey, Siri, because I think my phone's going to go off. But hey, Siri or Alexa, you know, you, you get 90% of those memorized answers. Yeah. And, I, and I, I was listening to your path and I said, we're very much in common that way. Uh -huh. you, you found a niche that you loved at a young age. Yeah. Found the vocational school like my, like my middle guy did. Loved cars. He went up to Boston. I, I was laughing because he went right outside of Boston to a, a school called UTI mm -hmm. uh, and uh, learned how to work as a, as a technician on BMWs and cars in general. And then from there, went down to Florida and did the same thing specifically for BMW. And that's what he's been doing since. And he loves what he does. And you think about Mike Rowe, and, and I think about at my son Evan's friends. You know, he's got a friend who went to BOCES for three years and became a welder. And when the kid got out of school, he was making six figures a year right out of high school. Because yeah, no one wants to do it. And, and that, I don't even know if it's because no one wants to do it or no one realizes the opportunities mm -hmm. are there. Uh, and that's why we were so, I was so excited when we did this to say that that word is going to come up all too often, opportunity. When you see the opportunity and you can take advantage of it, you know, opportunity always knocks. Yeah. It's, it's how you choose to answer. Do you answer the door? Do you open the door and run away from it? Or do you let it kick, the, kick in the door and, and, and help you out? And it sounds like that was kind of the path that, that you went down. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, it's, it's funny, you know, I didn't realize all this that we've had in common. I've yeah. known you for years, yeah. you know, uh, and, and both from the audio background, you know, for the audience's sake, I come from the custom car audio industry. Right. You know, I, I was working on building and installing car audio for years. And that path led me right into the GPS tracking. Um, the, the actual work, the installation methods, uh, the vehicles you're working on are a little different, but it's the same thing. It's the same general principles right. are being utilized. So uh, it was a very natural transition coming from a car audio technician into a GPS installation technician, where the opportunity was for us was I was able to step back. And I, I've always been very fortunate to be a, a visualist. I can definitely, if I can close yeah. my eyes and picture it, I can go and do it and create it. Yep. Yeah. I've always been that way. And I stepped back, I closed my eyes and said, oh, whoa, there's an opportunity here to take this company from a two-man team or a three-man team, whatever we were at the time, and expand it and make a greater impact. And you were enjoying it while it was a two-man team to some extent. Um, no, no. No, okay. I'm going to be totally, listen, you've yeah, been a long time. I'm upfront and blunt and honest. Um, I don't love what I do at top class installations. I never have, okay. but, um, timing is everything, right? So the car audio industry was getting very difficult at the time that we started top class. Um, I just got married. Okay. Okay. I now realize that I have to take care of myself and my wife and whatever future children might come along, which right. you got three now. Did. Oh yeah, yeah. We got three. <laughs> we got three. And it's like, all right, well now I'm so deep into this. This, this gig, what do I do? Just give up? Like, no, that's, that's not what I do. Okay. So let me make the best of the situation and let me, let me find parts of the business that I do love. There you go. And let me take them and run. So I've always loved business overall, you know, from the early age, 14, 15 years old, I always knew I wanted my own business. Right. Uh, did I picture this being the business? No. Okay. But I realized that there was, I fell in love with building a business. I fell in love with uh, building a culture within the business uh, figuring out what works, what doesn't, uh, implementing the systems and processes, and making it bigger and better every day continuously. Gotcha. Okay, so to use a word that I heard in in uh, in one of the podcasts I was listening to in my research, you're not so much in love with being the geek. You're in love with building the process, build, building the actual business. Yeah. 
So you're using, it's funny because I'm, I'm hearing things in my own head that resonate so much with me because I've had my own different version of them. We just use slightly different words. You're more obsessed with the business development, the growth, being the CEO of a company mm-hmm. as opposed to having the best processes and tools and techniques for the hands-on technical, tactical part of it. Yeah. Obviously, you need the results from all those things, but you're looking at it more from, we, I always refer to, you know, I, I love the book, The E-Myth, and I've read about Henry Ford sure. a million times. We talk about the, uh, you know, how, how Henry Ford sat in the glass room at the top of the building to look down, not to, ne- not to look down on the people, mm-hmm. but to look down and be able to visualize the processes and find. The, so you're, you're that guy who likes to sit in that room as well and say, here's an idea. Let's see if we, if we tweak this and move the assembly line this way or that way. That's more of what, what drives you? Yeah, totally. Fantastic. And the, the flip side of it is I spent so many years as a technician that I totally understand the tactical end of it as well, um, which has been detrimental somewhat. I was to just going to ask, is that growth. more of a blessing or a curse to yeah, you? Yeah, I'm definitely a little bit of a hybrid in that area. Um, so I understand the nuts and bolts. So sometimes I need to step back, reassess the situation, and be like, all right, is my time really worth being spent here? I know I could do it. I know I can kick it out and it'll be right. it'll be great. But is my time really worth being spent there? That's been one of the most difficult challenges I've had uh, over the past, I'd say, four, four and a half, five years That's of my funny. career. I'm laughing because we, we before we started actually recording, we talked about that. In in my case, is is the best use of my time for me to actually be the one out there being the quote unquote salesperson when it comes to real estate. And and I truly believe that it's not, which is why I'm doing so much of this. And, and want to connect with people like, like yourself and say, mm-hmm. how do we build better relationships to be a benefit to each other? Not necessarily, it's not going to be every day that I, own, I know a fleet manager who's going to come along and say, hey, Tom, here's, you know, here's 400 school buses, go. Right. Um, and it's not going to be every day you're going to know somebody who's looking to move up or down or buy a house here in Nassau or Suffolk County. Um, but there's still so many opportunities to benefit with each other, to help each other in processes. And that's why I think, you know, Dean Mercado being that, that connection between the two of us, has been such a, a, a valuable asset to both of us. And I think we've both brought him some value in return, even sure. though we're the ones writing him the, the, the check to, for his services. Mm-hmm. It's his job to benefit from that as well, not just to make money. Yeah. Um, so that leads us down the path of you are now an author. Mm-hmm. Before we even get into the book, what led you, because you've done some other things, and, and I want to talk about, you know, you started the Facebook group, and I want you to, to talk about that a little bit. You wrote the book. What led to those things happening? What were your successes and failures along the way? What did you learn? Sure. And where is that taking you? This could be a six-hour podcast. Yeah, and that's why I tried to squeeze them all in real quick to see if you miss any of them. So, all right. Um, about uh, halfway through the tenure of Top Class Installations, about the 50-year mark, right? Uh, my wife comes and says, hey, we're pregnant. Baby number one's coming. All right, cool. So baby number one comes. It's healthy. Great. And it's very cliche, but, you know, that's a life-altering event. Without it takes a doubt. life-altering events in order for you to make a major change in your life. Yes, it does. So I said, all right, um, we have this business here. I've already, I know that there's an opportunity greater. I haven't taken action on it yet. So I have to take care of myself. We have a dog too, 80-pound dog, <laughs> a wife, and now a newborn baby. Okay. So I have four people, four mouths I have to feed every day. So we got to make changes because I can't spend my, my days on the road 40, 50,000 miles a year in my car, driving to and from each customer's location, doing the work myself. There's got to be a better way. Uh, and that's pretty much what kickstarted it. So 
I, I went on the search for um, information. And like you, I learned best at my own pace the way I want to learn. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that, that started to kick off was I started reading. Uh, well, I wasn't even reading. I was listening to audiobooks. Cause I was in the car so much. I didn't have time to it's, read. It's the greatest invention ever was audiobooks. Absolutely. That, that automobile you, too many people don't realize the leverage. I mean, listen, I, I love listening to ESPN radio mm-hmm. uh, and catching up on all the sports and hearing other people's opinions. But I've learned from listening to that. Like My, my wife always left. I used to love watching Regis Philbin. I would spend... I would go out of my way certain days of the week to stay mm-hmm. home at nine o'clock to watch Regis because right. Regis was a phenomenal interviewer. Um, Howard Stern, sure, love him or hate him, it's Howard is one of the greatest in the interviewers in the world. So mm-hmm. that that education I got there, and then audiobooks came along, and I was like, holy shit, this is the greatest thing yeah. ever because I don't like to actually sit there and turn the pages and read. Mm-hmm. You know, I bought a Kindle, swiped through, that was great. Now my eyes are going. I don't ever want to open another book again if I don't have to. Sure, but it's funny that I do. I I buy books on Audible and then I'll listen to them on high speed. Yep. And then I'll and then I'll actually buy the book and use it as a textbook where I'll keep mm-hmm. all my notes. So it's but I digress. Go ahead, dive oh, back cool. in. Yeah. So I, I I kicked off these books and started reading, 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 and I was consuming these books at a rapid pace. I was driving so much, yep. you know. And um, I remember pulling back into my driveway at home, my back into my driveway, and I'm like, oh, it'd be really cool one day to write a book. And I immediately shut down. I was like, it's a pipe dream, dude. Forget it. Really? Yeah. I, I, I turned myself off. Okay. And um. A couple of years later, fast forward, you know, um, a lot of personal development, hanging around people like you, Dean, some other networking groups I'm involved in. Yep. And you look around you and I'm like, wow, like 10, 15, 20, 30 of these people that I, I'm in regular contact with, they're published authors, they're authors. not just one book. Yeah. So I'm like, these people aren't any smarter than me. You know, what's, what's the secret sauce here? And I found the common denominator. Okay. I got I got to drop a plug here because she's the most amazing human on the planet. My my editor Hillary, right? Hillary Jastrom, uh, she she's written some books for some real big name people. Not written. Let me rephrase. She's edited books okay. for, for some big name people. So I get connected with her, and um, I got on the phone. She's like, "Dude, how can I help you?" I'm like, well, I got this idea. I want to write a book, and I don't really know about what. So we discussed. We went through this process, and she's like, "All right, well, this is how it's going to work." And I'm going to walk you through all the steps, point A to point B. And I think you can do this. Like, all right, cool. So we did. We, we, I, I jumped in with two feet. You know, I burned the boats and I said, let's do this. That's fantastic. Yeah. So we started uh, November 2018. Right. Uh, started with an outline. Um, and then the book went out. Uh, basically, it t- took the outline and started doing uh, voice transcriptions on Rev.com. Okay. And literally... Um, just spoke out all the chapters. Boom, 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 boom. It created a ton of content, probably three to four times more than I actually needed for the book. Okay. And then Hillary and her amazing team, they take that book and they start to clean it up, put things in the right order, move things around. That's where the editor really comes into okay. to making, you know, this masterpiece out of a mess. So you basically just mind dumped everything yeah. that you could. They try to put it in a logical order for you yep. and then actually make it readable. Yeah. So they edited the book twice before okay. it came back to me for your final edit. Right. So then I, so round three edits was me. All right. So they cleaned out a lot of the crap on the first and second round. Okay. So I think the book was over a hundred thousand words when I gave it to him. Okay. Okay. Which is like bananas. Right. I and mean, we're talking like a four inch thick book. Um, so they give it back to me and they say, all right, dude, you're down to 70,000 words at this point. 
Um, but for the the ideal word count for the genre book that we're trying to get you into is 30,000 words. So you got your work cut out for you. Okay. So at this point, I'm thinking, I wrote a book, 70% done at least. This is awesome. They kick back that final edit to me, and it's like 220 pages, <laughs> right? And I'm like, holy shit. That's a lot. Like, I, I haven't even started. Yeah. I, I thought I was done at that point. You know, the, the cover art was done. This was done. That was done. Yada, yada. And I got to work. So that was, um, I think, February of this year. Okay. It took me from February until, I believe, the first week of June to do the editing. Wow. And it was one of the most tedious, difficult processes I've ever been through. Yeah, that sounds... Uh, and, and how many hours a day would you say you spent on that? Or oh, um, a week, let's say. At the end, it became a lot. Okay. So the the final two weeks of the edit, I basically said to myself, like, this is getting done at all costs. And it came down to the point where... Um, and, and this is why building a business that can operate on its own without you is so, so mm -hmm. important. Yeah. It allows you to go out and do other things that will further yourself, your career, your legacy for your children. All and, that the kind of stuff. and the business. And, and the people within the business, you yeah. know, which is a big part of it. So I have a Buffalo Wild Wings by my house. Okay. I came through. So in my office, here we go. In my office, I have three monitors in my computer. Right. I learned very quickly that it's too distracting to do real focused editing work. So okay. then I said, all right, let me grab the laptop. And I started doing work on the couch at night when the kids went to bed. And I realized, all right, I'm not putting enough hours into this to get this done in a reasonable amount of time. So Buffalo Wild Wings, it was. I would I would go into the home office in the morning, do my work. By like 11 o'clock, I'd kick out. I'd go to Buffalo Wild Wings. I'd sit in the corner like a creep, okay, plug in my, my, we, we've my computer. We've all had those moments. <laughs> not many of us want to admit it. Yeah. And I appreciate the fact that you said it because I'm right there with you. Go ahead. And I'm over there, you know, and these waitresses are coming over. Hey, can I get you a drink? And I'm like, no, no, I don't want anything. Just give me some water and I'll leave you a good tip, yeah. you know. <laughs> you know, going away like crazy. And uh, I spent two weeks in that Buffalo Wild Wings getting this thing done. And, finally, and you didn't gain any weight in the process. No, I try not to. That's a whole other topic. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. So, um, uh, but yeah, that's that's what it took. It took me shutting my phone off and telling my staff, don't bother me unless the, the, the building's burning down. Right. You know, um, if there's something major that pops up, I'm here to help. But otherwise, leave me alone. I'm, I'm, I'm super focused right now on getting this project done. Okay. And that's what it took. That's great. And self-published. Yeah. Right. It, it's uh, the, so let, let's dive a little bit more into it. For those of you watching online, it's real simple. There it is the book. And you all know me. I have no problem with four letter words, even though he edited the, the title. The name of the book is unfuck your business. Stop business self-sabotage by getting clear on your core values now by Tom Keenan. And for those of you who are watching, who are interested, I've got a couple copies of the book courtesy of Tom that we're going to, we're going to give away. We'll give you instructions on that in a, in a, in a little bit and then some further posts. Um, what drove you to wrote a book, write a, to write a book that on the cover talks about self-sabotage and core values? Um, pain. Your own personal yeah, pain. Yeah, pain that I've experienced in both my businesses. Okay. So Top Class Installations is round two for me. Right. You know, first business, crashed and burned hard. Yep. I went into Congratulations, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Fell fast, right? Yeah. So uh, I was 21 years old. I started my first business. I had $300 cash in my pocket, and I knew better than my boss. He didn't want to allow me to do the, the high-end fabrication work that I knew I could do. And I said, all right, well, fuck this guy. I'm out. It's basically what happened. And I, I left and I went, opened my own business. And whoa, 
Guess what? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I didn't realize all this is involved. Yeah. And that's what nobody tells you. Yep. Like you, you walk into this business and you might be the best salesperson in real estate. You might be the best car stereo installer on the planet, but you don't know a damn thing about running and operating a business. I'm assuming you've read the E-Myth more oh, than yes. once as well. And, right. and that's exactly, that's exactly it. Michael Gerber about. probably wrote one of the greatest business books ever, uh, regardless of, of what you think of, of him or his, his other products or anything else. That book was absolutely fascinating. And it's the thing that always uh, amazes me is that you look and he talked about the electrician who starts his own company. And then he talks about the barber who starts his own company or the pie, the baker. Uh, and, and I'm pretty sure, I don't know if I know all the details of the story, but I've, I'm led to believe that the guy who founded Supercuts, mm-hmm. one of the largest barbershop chains in the country, was actually a truck driver. Wow. And I, I look at things like that and I say, son of a bitch, you know, it's what's kind of kept pushing me back, what got me into the restaurant business and, and fortunately out of the restaurant business. But I, I, I love hearing stories like people... It, accepting the responsibility for their own failures because they thought they knew too much. Mm-hmm. So please continue. Yeah. So um, that business cranks up, uh, first one, and the, the the first gut punch was, I think, within the first month or maybe the first quarter. My accountant comes in to me and he goes, hey, uh, I need a check for 7500 bucks for sales tax due tomorrow. Like, what? The hell's that? Because you're not collecting sales tax? I'm like, no. Goes, all right, we got a problem. Yeah. <laughs> so that was. Uh, yeah, thanks for waiting to the end of the quarter yeah, to tell me, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, don't just assume that you know the new business owner knows everything. Yeah. So that yeah. was you know the start of the struggles, you know, and it came down to it where I was the technician. I was the only one I trusted to do the work. I was the only one who could do anything that was generating revenue for the business, and that was a major problem. So what wound up happening was, um, I gave up on my health. Because I was working so many hours to try and keep up with the bills and, and, and getting everything done and the, the customer wants and needs. I was working 20, 24 hours a day. I was I was started at 21. I closed it when I think I was 25 or 26. And I went from 229 to 239 pounds up to 300 pounds by the time I closed wow. the business. All right. And being on my feet so many hours and a previous motorcycle accident that I'm lucky to, to have walked away from. I didn't know at the time, but I had severely hurt my back. It didn't hit me yet, though. I have, you know, multiple herniated discs right. across my lower carrying back. All that extra sides, carrying all this extra weight. And all of a sudden, I'm, I literally, no exaggeration, I had a pain in my ass one day. It's like, ah, well, I can't afford health insurance, so I'm just going to pop some Tylenol. Well, two Tylenol turned into about 12 Tylenol a day, and months and months and months yeah. go by. I wake up one morning. I go into the shop. I'm like, man, I really don't feel good. And... um we used to do a lot of remote remote car starters too, and, and you know, on a smaller vehicle, I'm a, I'm a tall guy. You got to be on your hands and knees or, or upside down yeah. under the dashboard. And I'm working on this customer's vehicle, and I'm halfway through the job. Right? There's nobody at the store but me, and I can't get off the ground. Like I'm, I'm just physically I'm stuck disabled in the in the, the kneeling or crawling position. I wow. cannot stand up. It's like, oh man, what do I do? So uh, I called my mom at the time. She lived about a mile away. She comes. She, I don't know how the woman did it, but she she picks up this uh, this three hundred pound lard ass. She's a she, mom. Yeah, moms, she, moms, moms are superheroes. They are. She takes me home, and um, I was in bed for three weeks. Wow. So in those three weeks, not one dollar was generated for my business. Yep. But guess what? You know, bills didn't stop. Bills didn't stop. The, the rent was still due. You know, the, the alarm company still wanted their money. The insurance company wanted their money. The customer who, whose car was halfway done, you think he was happy? Right. Oh, yeah, okay. So, I mean, these are all the problems. And, you know, reflecting back on it, I created all of them. 
it's 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 why you know I, I went through in the relaunch of the new version of our company I went through name after name after name and everybody had ideas and inputs and um, you know I'll use the kind words you know opinions are like belly buttons everybody's mm-hmm. got one um, not my first choice of words but I'll, I'll <laughs> I'm, you know I'm trying to stay as g-rated as I can every once in a while um, but I looked at it and I said the same thing. I said, what name is going to resonate most? What is it about me? What is it about my values? What I want to build? And I said, shit, if it was good enough for Charles Schwab and it was good enough for JP Morgan, why can't it be good enough for Dean Miller? Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because I've always looked at every, every job I've ever had, every business I've ever had, whoever worked with me, the team, the successes are all as a result of their hard work. I might've put the time and effort into building the systems, but they've got to implement it. But at the end of the day, the failures are 100% my responsibility. Sure. And if I put ABC Realty out there and a consumer says, well, ABC Realty screwed up, I can hide behind that. Mm. And I've never been one that wants to hide from things. Dean Miller, owner of the company, screwed it up. I want to be accountable and responsible for that. Yeah, I like that. Um, and, it, and it works well for me, you know, because it really lights the fire under my ass every day to say, hey, you're going to screw up. You need to let people know that it's going to happen. But the reality of it is you've got to build something that's so special that people want to be part of something bigger than themselves, whether it be my salespeople, whether it be somebody looking to buy a home or sell a home. They're not just hiring me for a service. They're becoming part of our organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's where I want to dive into, dive into the book now a little bit. Sure. Uh, I don't want to give away all the secrets because I want people to pick it up and read it. It's uh, literally 163 pages cover to cover. Uh, in, in a font size that my 49.8-year-old eyes could actually read, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about the book. We understand kind of what your process was, what you did it. Tell me what's inside the cover, what's inside these pages, why people should pick it up, and what they can do to help improve themselves personally and professionally sure, as a result sure. of it. Those are great questions. So inside the book is a lot of my story, some of what we've gone over here yep. today, and it goes deeper. It goes into other things that have happened. It goes into the, the first business that failed. It goes into the new business. And, you know, I mentioned a moment ago of having an issue with my back in the first business. In the second business, um, I, had, I had a family emergency again that popped up. And the difference was... I had a business built at that point in time, not a job. And the business was able to sustain okay. itself for the three weeks that it took. My son had to go in for emergency surgery when he was six months old, my twin son. And it was like out of nowhere, you know, had an intestinal blockage and said, oh my God, my wife goes in the middle of a snowstorm, takes the kids to the hospital. She calls me up a half hour later. She goes, hey, we're in the ambulance. We're going to the emergency room wow. uh, to the children's specialty hospital because Thomas has to have a surgery now. Not like, you know, tomorrow. No, now. Right. Like, what do you mean? You know, and um, again, that's the importance of building the business to where it can operate without you, without mm-hmm. your input, without your day-to-day involvement in the company. And I was able to step out of that business for three weeks. The difference was from, you know, version one to version two, when I came back to that business, it was still there. It, it, was, still no, operating. it was no worse than it we, was the yeah, minute you we left. We still it, collected right? money. Yep. Guys were still out getting work done, yep. you know, and, and that's, that's really what the book dives into and goes about. And yes, there's a lot of that in the e-myth. Um, but I, I think this is a little bit uh, easier to understand for some people. Um, and I give a lot of real-world examples. I give a lot of exercises as well. Uh, if you go to my website, thomaskeenan.com, there's actually a link where you can download the book goodies. There's a lot of infographics, charts, Excel right. spreadsheets that didn't make it into the book. Okay. Um, but they're going to basically give people 
the tools to go out there and get clear in the core values, get clear on certain things within the business, understand themselves better, uh, add to the self-development, which is paramount for your success as a business owner. Your business can only go as far as you can. Right. You know, so if, if you're not willing to invest in yourself and make yourself better, you can't expect your business to become this amazing thing overnight. Yeah. It's so let, you know, I was, I was looking at some of the posts that you made on top of what we had done to promote this. And I pre, I appreciate not only you paying attention to what I'm doing, but the mm-hmm. effort you put into to helping us build this as well. Sure. You mentioned a couple things and I'm going to leave it in the order that you posted it. Sure. You talked about people, you talk about culture, mm-hmm. you talk about systems and processes, yep. marketing, hiring mm-hmm. and core values. Yeah. Let, let's the, the, the simple complicated question. Why those six? Um, I think those just touch on, on, on quickly touch on all the points that are covered in a book. Okay. You know, I mean, without people, you can't have a business. You need people to go in there and start duplicating the things that you're a magician or a genius at. Do you believe, and again, this is not meant as a cheap shot to anybody, sure. but do you believe people are the hardest part of any business? Oh, yes. Okay. I just want to make- it is the most difficult thing I've ever done in life is to hire people for my business. Yeah. Why? And I have my experiences and I'll share any of them that you want, but tell me why that's been one of the hardest things for you with any, with the, with the businesses. Uh, the first half of top class installations, we were doing it completely backwards. Okay. We were hiring for skill, not, not values. And that's- this is where the core values come into play. And it took us getting clear on our core values and going back to our good friend, Dean, it took him smacking me in the head for yep. almost three years saying, Hey dummy, you're going to listen yet. You're going to listen yeah. yet. And finally one day the pain got so I've, much. I've been writing the checks for this and getting yeah. the same results as you did. So I know the feeling. <laughs> I'm like, shit, this guy's right. Yeah. And it, you know, it, it took me going in there and, and getting clear on these. And once we got clear on the core values, it opened up a whole other world that I didn't know existed. You know, Oh wait, we need a hiring process now. Yep. And the hiring process, you're building in the core values. In the hiring process, you're filtering out people whose core values don't match yours or your business partner, mm-hmm. your business overall, and you're not allowing them to come in and infect your operation. That's it's what you're doing when, you're, when you're hiring the wrong people. It's a it's a very good choice of words. I appreciate that because we talk about the cancers that come into our lives at times. Uh, and, and again, it may not be that the person is a bad person. It was we made the mistake in hiring the wrong person or to, to use the old euphemism, put the square peg in the round hole kind of thing. Yeah. What I love about your list is that I believe it's the exact opposite of the order of, pro- of importance, mm. but priority wise, the order that you go through each thing leads to something bigger and better. I believe it, it, because we're, we're infected with the same uh, mindset that, that uh, Mr. Mercado has pounded into our head amongst others. Sure. But I believe that the core values are absolutely the most important part, but in order to get to that big big rock you've got to go through all these other things and the pain points that come with them yeah um and understanding that that the processes and the lists and the paperwork that go along with this are nothing more than a living breathing document that change all the time and we we had our core values and get values narrowed down to three mm-hmm. when we took the leap to where we're at now sure and in the last i want to say the last four to six weeks in my meetings um We've done a really good job of realizing that those three are great, yeah. but they may be more in tune with my own personal core values than what I should be doing to build my company. Mm-hmm. Um, to, expect, to expect the same level of response to those core values from others that I put on myself is unfair of me to put that upon them. Sure. So we're saying, how do we not dumb it down, but how do we change, 
change it so that people can envision themselves living within that world. Mm -hmm. uh, because I, you know, I look at it and say learning is one of the most important things I can do for myself. And I believe it's important for everyone else, but I can't expect others to say that that's their number one priority when it's my job to learn how to build something to better the entire organization, which will help put the employees and the staff and the team members in a better position. Yeah, It's my responsibility to do that for them, but they've also got to be open-minded, mm -hmm. which is something we didn't have listed in our core values. And yeah. now that will become one of those things because I look back on everything I've written over the years and open-minded is probably in 80% of the things I've always written. Sure. Coachable. But, and, and that's exactly it. They, those went hand in hand, coachable, open-minded. Mm -hmm. um, so now we're, we're kind of rebuilding that, which hurts to have to take such a huge step back. But realizing that if I fight that uphill battle and don't take the steps back, I'm just going to kick myself in the ass on the way down. Yeah, but I think it's okay. And, I, I, you know, I don't think it should be – you shouldn't feel bad about it because – No, I, I, don't, I don't feel bad. Don't, yeah. don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I, don't, I very rarely feel bad about anything. <laughs> I hate that phrase. I tell, my, you'll hear my wife, my mom, my mom likes to say it all the time. I feel so bad. I'm like, what the hell do you feel bad for? Yeah. You know, did it physically hurt you? No, you don't feel bad. It's in your, between your ears. So yeah. I – go ahead. Yeah, so, you know, I think that um, – as we educate ourselves further, as we evolve as people, that the core values that we once held near and dear to our hearts are going to evolve with us. So, um, you know, you might you might drop one off. You might you might get clear today, and three years from now, you might say, "Oh, you know what? You know, I had some epiphany happen yep. in my life, and I need to change some stuff, yeah. and I need to either drop this one or add this one." Yeah. So, understanding one's own personal core values and understanding how they can have an impact, or vice versa, how the company's yeah. core values can have an impact on each other, and and learning how to manipulate's not the wrong word, it's an inappropriate word, but it's the only one that popped into my mind, how to manipulate them to make them work together, to be yeah. a benefit to everybody. Yeah, they're two separate different things, yeah. two separate entities, yeah. if you ask me. Yeah. You know, and that's one of the struggles that we had, uh, and that Dean really helped us and when I say us, I'm saying top class installation right. as an organization. You're aware I have a business partner in top yep. class, yep. so you know my what we round up, what, what we got very clear on quickly was that my personal core values were not in complete alignment with his. Yeah, and but we had overlapping values, and that's why the business works. Okay, okay, and it took us going into Dean's office for about six months once a week, and like literally getting into arguments, like you know, hey. I can't believe I'm sitting next to this guy because I can't stand him right now. Good thing there's no windows in the yeah. office. Somebody be going through them, right? <laughs> I'm the bigger guy. He would have been right out the window. So, um, you know, it, it, it was it was a very uncomfortable um, period of time uh, in, in the evolution of top class installations. But I'm so glad we put ourselves in that uncomfortable situation. Has going through that process made you guys better partners to each other? Yes, but it took. I'm a firm believer that um, you know what you do today doesn't come into your life or you don't see the positive results or negative results, depending on what you're doing for at least 90 to 180 days. Uh, I think that us getting clear on core values and going through that process didn't come and really shine and get in, in front of our faces. And it's like, Oh wow, this really did impact the business. Mm -hmm. It was probably a good seven to eight months. Okay. But it was, it was all those things that led up to that during those, those seven, eight months that put you in a position where you guys are operating at a much better level now. Totally. Fantastic. All right. Terrific. Um, in soundbite version, talk to me about culture, what that means to you, what your company culture is. Culture is, it's three things. It's three pillars. So when I say culture, when you say culture, the first thing that I, I that comes to my mind is vision. Okay. Um, you know, vision to me is core values is pillar one. Mm -hmm. Pillar two is going to be your mission. 
and pillar three is going to be your purpose or your why. Okay. Uh, each of those is an integral part of the overall vision. If you don't have one of them, you know, it's like a three-legged stool. If you don't have one of them, it's going to fall over the second you go to sit on it. Gotcha. Very good. Um, systems and processes. Yeah. Aside from the technical systems and processes, talk to me about your businesses, systems and processes. Well, first off, let me state this. I think most people overcomplicate them, and they don't need to be. Okay. You know, uh, a system and a process could literally be you writing down on a list here, step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, and then handing it over to someone in your team and say, this is how you do this. It doesn't have to be fancy. You don't need to put software in place. And that's the hang-up that I usually get. I know you do, too. Oh, oh, because, oh yeah. That's why I'm laughing yeah, right we now. Have, we have all this amazing software at our, at our you know, fingertips. Yeah. And we're like, oh, we got to go make it, and we got to add all the bells and whistles. And before you know it, you got nothing done, and you have no system or process implemented. It's one of my personal biggest struggles is, yep. is that simplicity. It's a mental challenge I have to overcome. But the good part about it is that I'm self-aware enough to know that I'm complicating it. I just have to catch myself early in the process. Like, it shouldn't be as easy as pick up the pen, yeah. turn the pen, let the ink come out, mm -hmm. and write it down. Close the pen, put it down. No, I've got to figure out why, why, which side of my brain is telling me to pick it up. And when, yeah. and without a doubt, overcomplicating things is one of the things that I, I, I don't want to say I enjoy the most, but I think in my 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 you know, the devil in my head says, yeah, make it more difficult than sure. it is. And, and the devil wins all too often. Yeah. But I'm aware of it enough now to say, you know what, break the damn pen and pick up a pencil instead, yeah. you know. So, all right. Um, marketing is a big part, one of the biggest parts of every business. I say all the time in the real estate industry, what, what I've spent the majority of my time studying over the 20 plus years I've been doing this is marketing and psychology. And I think they go hand in hand because you got to understand the mindset of people before you could market to them so that you can put the message out there that matches the people you're talking to. Um, how much of your own time do you spend working on marketing ideas and implementation? That's a great question. Um, I'm heavily active on social media, okay. um, especially my personal profile. Uh, I'm very transparent. So there, to me, there's no difference between personal and business. Right. Um, they're overlapping. My business is me. Yep. Um, so sheesh. Uh, I would say, you know, I have another business that I kicked off courtesy of the book. Right. And I've been heavily involved recently in marketing that, you know, automated email marketing campaigns, follow up, that kind of stuff, yep. you know, yep. online sales, e-commerce, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so I'd say right now I've probably got a good 20, 25 hours a week in marketing alone. Okay. Um, I, I'm not one to count my hours, you know, uh, of, oh, I spent an hour here, an hour there. No, I just go and I, I work until the project's done. Well, I, I think like me, um, your business is something that brings you great happiness, self-satisfaction, joy. Yeah. Um, I love what I do. It's like people said to me years ago, why did you quit golfing? A, I was horrible at it. B, it was a good way to, you know, a four-hour round would turn into an eight-hour bender. And, yes. and then I'd be hung over the next morning. So, mm -hmm. you know, a round of golf would cost me two days of my life. Yep. Uh, and I was no good at it. Um, while I enjoyed the time I was out there with people, the frustration of it led me to say, hey, well, it's convenient to get another beer every time we pass the clubhouse. It just became a headache. And I, I realized, I told my wife one day, I said, I'm, I'm done with golf. You know, my brother had passed. My uncle had moved on. Dad needed a shoulder replacement. Uh, I was the only one physically around that could do it. And, and I said, it, it, that was why I got into it in the first place. Well, sure. when, that, when that went away, I said, I love what I do. This is what brings me personal joy is building a company, do, making sales, helping people out having a positive impact on people's lives. 
Um, so this is kind of my fun. You know, I, it's not the only thing, but I, I do have a, a, a healthy obsession with it. Yeah. Uh, because it, it's, it's my fifth child. Uh, and that doesn't include the three dogs that I've got. Um, so, you know, it, it, I, I think that's just what makes it interesting is that I get out of bed and I, I look forward to doing things every day and yep. looking forward to making a difference and growing it because the growth isn't just necessarily about the money. I mean, hell, we, nobody gets out of bed in the morning to not get paid, uh, and, you know, unless you're a guy like Bill Gates or company who's working to give their money away. But even that's a lot of work. Sure. Um, I fell down the rabbit hole. See, Corey, you know, this will happen all too often. I'll have something t- trigger in my head, and I'll forget who I'm talking to and what I'm talking about. Um, it's all good. But but I, I think, you know, to get back to it, I think you're, you're a lot like me, is what we do brings us a lot of personal joy and happiness and satisfaction as well. Yeah, I agree. And, um, and, and, and counting the out, get back to the point, counting the hours is not the reason for it. Yeah, um, if I had to count the hours, I wouldn't do it, Yeah, honestly. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I can definitely... Uh, <laughs> My wife can attest to this. I can easily go and get lost in the office because I'm, you know, trying to build something or create something. Um, and I took my my creative genes or mind and I took it from, you know, building custom car audio systems and I transferred it into now building a business. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was always amazed at, you know, what I could build physically, you know, with a piece of wood or, you know, some metal and fiberglass, whatnot. And now I'm building something that's not tangible, but the amount of joy that I get from it is greater, especially, yep. you know, when it comes to to top class, because I've found that what I've built is now impacting my employees' lives on a significant level, which is like um, one of the most uh, amazing, impactful things you can see as a business owner, yeah. you know, and it's like, wow, uh, we have almost 20 people on the team now, and this one just bought a house, and well, that one just bought a house, and this one just had kids, and and what I'm creating business wise is now transferring into food that goes into that kid's yep. mouth at the end. You, of the you day. become that proud parent. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you know the grandparent, grandparent, grand, like yep. you know the, the top, the, the multi generational. Yeah, you know, the, it's cool. The, the fam, the family tree. Yeah, it, I, I, I'm right in line with it. Say, like, you know, I used to say when. When I have employees or staff or coworkers or in my case, 1099 uh, 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 people on my team, it's my responsibility to make sure that they have food on the table and oh, yeah. opportunities. But again, to take the, the biblical line, it's my job to teach them how to fish. Mm-hmm. It's not my job to give them the fish. I'll give them one to sustain them, but you've got, you've got to learn. And when I see them take that bull by the horns and really grow, you know, part of, part of our goal is to say we want to help I used to have it as one of one of my Twitter accounts. I used to say the, the, the role of any good lead, in order to become a good leader, you have to create great leaders mm-hmm. and and stay kind of stoic enough about it to, to look at, you know, I'm looking at Yoda right here on the desk. Yoda wasn't, the, he wasn't the rock star. He was he was the guide in someone else's story. Um, and to, to talk about another book, Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. Is one yeah. of, I've, I've torn it apart a million times because I just love everything that it says to me. Um but I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think putting people in a position to create their own successes and their own happiness and joy, it makes me happy to see them. And if when they ride off into the sunset, then so be it. I'm okay sure. with that. Yeah. yeah, you have to be. Yeah. And I and that would lead back, that'll lead back to uh, hiring and core values, and then we'll start to wrap it up. Yeah. What are what are your biggest successes when it comes to your hiring, your hiring process that you have in place now? Um, we've developed a process where the job candidates or potential job candidates automatically disqualify themselves. We okay. never even talk to them. Really? Yeah, so it's a huge time saver. 
does that lead you to frustration in finding the right people? It can. But what winds up happening is now the people who we're actually getting on the phone with and getting to see face-to-face are only candidates who have followed our specific directions. And at this point, we know that they fit, you know, say three or four of seven core values. Okay. So, again, we're weeding out the BS before it has the opportunity to come in to infect the company. So you mentioned seven core values. Mm -hmm. Does every single person you hire fit into all seven of them? Uh, that's the end goal. Okay. So we actually have, and it's, it's in my book goodies, uh, giveaway. Okay. Um, we have a core values assessment that we use for our team and we, we, we assess them on a quarterly basis. So they're assessed when they come in the door, we see if they need any areas of improvement. And then it's our job as the executive team of the business or the managers within the business to help coach and educate those people to up those core values to our standards. Gotcha. So you clearly believe in hiring slowly mm-hmm. uh, make to make, in order to make sure you have the right person. Yes. I'm going to assume on the opposite end of that spectrum, you have no problem firing quickly. Yeah. How much of a challenge is it for you to let people go? It's, it's, it's definitely difficult. And I, I smile when I say it because I, I, know, I know exactly yeah, how you go. It's, um, you know, I've had to do it a couple of times. Uh, my partner and you know, we usually flip a coin at this point. I'm okay. like, up, oh, your turn. And listen, you there, there's a process there. Yeah, <laughs> there is. And uh, you know, neither of us enjoy it. Um, you know, and we're we're a very tight knit organization over at Top Class. So if you've come through our hiring process and you come on board, you know, we onboard you. We, we, we your core values match. You've probably been to my house. You've probably been to my partner's house. We do a lot of, um, you know, things outside of normal business you know we we have barbecues the we true have entrepreneur yeah, it's like yeah. you know we're we're a big family yep and and my everyone who works for me knows that too so when it comes down to having to make that fateful decision it's not an easy one at all okay all right well listen we, we've run through enough of this here i want to kind of take it in a little bit of a different direction just to wrap it up so that we could leave on a high note sure um so we're, we're going to dive back in again Unfuck Your Business by Thomas Keenan, Tom Keenan of Top Class Installation. Um, If you're not lucky enough to get one of the five I'm willing to give out for free, you should spring for a few bucks and get it. Do the right thing. The guy's a fantastic guy, and it is a fantastic book. Uh, And I'm going to tear this apart just like I do many of the other books that I love. Tom, what does the future hold for you, your business? Why are you doing what you're doing? Is there some kind of, you know, what's the end game for you? So I got very clear on that. Um, over the course of the past probably year and a half, two years, I've been put on this planet to help other people succeed in business. Okay. So, boom, there's a book. Step one. That's step one. Uh, Step two, coaching pro, uh, sorry, not coaching program, uh, online training course. Okay. That I'm creating to teach technicians how to come into the GPS tracking industry and succeed. And that's the entry level. I'm going to, I have, I have two or three other courses in my head already done. Right. They're just not. They're not out yet. So, you know, course number two is going to be how to properly operate the business. Okay. You know, what systems and processes and software do you need in order to be efficient and effective at this? And then tier three is basically going to be, all right, you know, now this is how you become a leader within this industry. Gotcha. This is what you do. This is the marketing you need. You know, this is, this is how you do your, you know, the real nitty gritty stuff that people are going to need in order to really kick ass in the business. Fantastic. Yeah. So, um, again, like I said earlier on the podcast here, the industry has this huge growth potential over the next uh, five, six, seven years of, of over 
So there's plenty of room for people to come in here, make some killer money. Mm -hmm. uh, and you, you might have to skill up in order to do so. You might have to get a little uncomfortable, but I want to give people the tools to go out there and do this because we're, we're in a dire need for skilled technicians to yep. come into this line of work and actually get the work done. Fantastic. Yeah. And the third, third leg of that is um, uh, I want to help other people with one-on-one -on -one coaching and public speaking. So I've got my first public speaking gig coming up in August, August 9th. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, down in Dallas, Texas, I'll be speaking at an event called Knowledge Fest. Okay. Uh, it's very um, industry specific for okay. the car audio industry, car audio, 12 volt, remote starters, that, that kind of stuff. Um, someone in the industry read my book and basically went to the president of the industry and said, hey, get this guy here. We need to get him in front of our people. So it's amazing. You put in a little bit of work to do something that's a project that was as painful as it has been for you. Yeah. And already you're you're reaping the bet, the rewards of it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I love to see that. It's why I've, I've been challenged. I haven't spoken much about it lately, um, but I've been challenged to do the same thing, write a book. And I've, I've gone a couple of different ways with it. And we've got one project in the works sure. uh, that I'm hoping we'll be able to announce formally in the next couple of weeks. But I, I think going through the, I watched my dad write his memoirs, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's why I look, I look at it. I look at the challenges he went through with writing the book. Um, you know, as a guy who spent 40 plus years in the financial services industry, I'm saying guy could write a speech because he wrote four bullet points and he was one of those guys who could just rattle off a speech. Uh, but going through the book writing process, I, I'd love seeing other people's pain and suffering because it validates for me, A, it's going to hurt like hell to do it most likely. Yep. But it's so worth it when you actually get it done to, to take on a challenge like that. And like you said, I don't know if you use the exact words, but you are you're worth it. You know, it's if all these other people can do it, why can't I? Sure. Uh, and I, I love that. It's, it's just throw caution to the wind and say, why can't I? And, you know, find your failures in the process and learn from them because they're the greatest education we could ever get is, is the failures that we had. Um, Wrap it up. While, while we do this here, you know, I'll, I'll take a line from, from Gary V and say, let, let's do a question of the day or a tip of the day. Um, what can we do to bring you some value here? Is there a question you have for, you, you kind of know the audience that, that we have around us. Uh, they're mostly salespeople. You've been involved in some of our Facebook groups as well and sure. have chimed in uh, very graciously and very often when we were running that. And I'm glad that this stirred the pot for me to launch that back up again. What can we do to bring some value back to you? Um, first, buy my book. It's probably it. the number I one love thing. It. Thomas Don't Keenan. be afraid com. to ask. Yeah. There it is. ThomasKeenan.com. It's without the H because a lot of us do spell it the wrong way. Yep. T-O-M-A-S-K-E-E-N-A-N.com. Yep. Go check that out. The book's $9.99 on Amazon. Uh, I'm not breaking the bank. I'm not looking to make uh, my fortune off the book. So I, I want I get that book at that price point because I want to impact as many people as I possibly can. Fantastic. Yeah. It's all about value. And Amen. when you have good values, good things happen. Tom, I appreciate Pleasure. you coming out. Thank you so much. Everybody, go check him out, his website. He's got some great information there. The book is outstanding. Uh, and he's just an all-around damn good guy. And I'm greatly appreciative of the fact that you were willing to give up some of your time today to come join, to come join us here. Thanks, Dave. Thanks so much. Check it out. We'll be online. The podcast will be downloaded in a couple weeks. If you have questions or comments for Tom or I, I know we didn't do live Q&A, but if you're watching this online, put your questions in there. He's active enough on social media. You all know where I'm at with it. Uh, we'll be more than happy to set up a time, get you on a podcast with us, do a video chat, answer your questions, whatever we could do to be of help. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a fantastic day.